So we've been busy, huh? Yeah, crazy. Um, it's been since I got back from China. It's been pretty, pretty nonstop. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and thankfully, my my publisher gave me a nice extension to December first, so I could go to China to teach for for a month. Um, but it's been been pretty pretty nonstop ever since I've got back. Just writing, 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 doing projects for the book. Mm-hmm. Putting putting stuff together, I'm, I'm literally turning down work because I don't have time to do projects other than book related stuff. It's tough. I will be glad once December first comes and goes. Yeah, I bet. Oh my gosh, dude. Well, I think we'll all enjoy it when it comes out. Can't wait to see it. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it's it's got Stuart Bray's footprint on it this time, which is. Which is nice. Is it because I stood on the? On the and paper? personally, I think it's going to be better than the other two. Their, their content-wise, has just been amazing. Cool, man. Uh, Kevin Wasner and Karen Jackson have done a, a phenomenal tutorial. Matthew Mungle has has provided several. Going to be crazy. Amazing. Oh, that's cool. I like Matthew Mungle. I remember seeing him at the first IMATS. He did a, a, a gelatin demo, and that was very, very cool back in 1997. So what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Well, I've had a few jobs this year. I had a very nice um, chemotherapy ball cap makeup to do for a film that shot in L.A. I didn't go with it, unfortunately, but I did make it and send it. And uh, some old age makeups for a movie that was being filmed in Estonia, which was fun. Um, and just loads of teaching spots. Um, and it's weird because although this episode is about... Uh, Rob Burns, um, we'll get to that in a minute, but um, because I've been around a lot of colleges recently, th- th- there have been some trends that I've noticed in the way that things are being taught, and I thought it might be an interesting thing to raise as a subject, <laughs> and I realized yeah. that it may uh, um, it may cause a stir, but um, I'm interested in people's experience at makeup schools and makeup colleges, um, because... Uh, I sent you a message. I'm yeah, not naming any names. More and more <laughs> schools popping up. Yeah, and a lot of it is well. There's the difference between um, I think like uh, the private courses, which is just specifically about how to do something, and the academic courses, which carry the assumed weight of academic qualification with it, which I would argue is of limited value in a in a in a field that is not an academic subject. It's more of a vocational one, um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but but at the same time, there's definitely good things in it. But it's just an interesting. I sent you a, a, a screen grab of, of an email I had from a college that basically was running a course that didn't have a tutor, and I'm not naming names, but it, yeah, it's, it's, just yeah. A, it's a head scratcher as to why why somebody why a, why an institution would offer a course with assignments that require certain skill sets that they aren't actually teaching. Yeah. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? And I'm sure it could just be that whoever was there left or something happened or they, you know, they could have died. Who knows? <laughs> it could have been, you know, some horrible thing, but it was just one of many incidences, which kind of made me think, God, there's lots of really bad things happening. And I would like to hear from, from 
from students in these places who can anonymously I say anonymously um, what I mean is you can get in touch I'm not going to name names I'm not going to name institutions but uh, I just want to get a, a, a picture of um, people's experiences good and bad from both uh, attendees and tutors um, about about their experience at makeup schools good and bad because it seems to me mm -hmm. there is a trend here I don't know if it's the same in the states but it seems like a lot of standards have been dropped for entry requirements and there are people coming in that perhaps shouldn't be there because they're not stable enough human beings to be allowed on set well it, it, <laughs> frankly yeah your and, description of that reminds reminds me of uh, some of the for-profit schools um, here in the United States where education seems to be somewhere further down the list um, below well below profit and um, making their investors happy and education mm -hmm. should always I think be at the top of the list if you are a school mm -hmm. um, if you do things right then the money will follow but if you're just in it for the money and education's not not the number one priority then you know if, if you can if all you have to do in order to get into a program is be able to pony up the dough to me that's a huge red flag it is but it... I mean, over the last 17 years where i've been teaching at a school i'm, I'm no longer teaching at mm -hmm. um because of this uh you know where there are students enrolled that will never answer phones at a at a studio let alone be doing the work because they're wholly unqualified to be there mm -hmm. it's a difficult one because you know and certainly with with a lot of um and it takes and it takes away takes time away from the students who really want to be there and have talent when when instructors are spending time hand holding kids that aren't capable of understanding concepts yeah i think that was my uh you know one of the things i saw is that there are people there that really really want to do it but they are in the minority it seems often not so much with the private courses like the shorter courses like a five-day course or something where people have identified a skill gap so much but it's more it's almost like there's a good proportion of people and i don't know if this is really mean of me but i'm going to say it anyway it it seems like no one's going to go into medicine or law because they think it's an easy ride because we we, we no. assume that to be a doctor or a lawyer or anywhere in that capacity you're in for hard work so you have to have a capacity and an interest in the subject above and beyond a casual passing interest but i do feel that on, on some on that note it's, it's it's also interesting you know that not everybody that graduates from medical school graduates at the top of their class no of course uh, no of course the, there's always a bell curve there has to be but they still get a license to practice medicine yeah <laughs> uh, that, that yeah. was my original career path and believe me i have i have worked with some of the best surgeons in the world and some of the worst. <laughs> I know what the range of, of talent is with people that have a, a legitimate MD behind their names. And some of it's downright scary. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess there's always a bell curve, isn't there? Of, of, you know, very, very bad, very, very good. And, you know, the average in between. Um, but it does seem to me that there is a, a proportion of... And if you've been on a makeup course, tell me if I'm wrong. But there's a proportion of people on there 
who were there because they thought it sounded easy and 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 they're oh, not no, there for no, yeah. the effort they're not there to expand themselves or to 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 dig new ground they're there because it sounded like a their dad said look you've got to do something or get out of the house and then they thought well i wear makeup I how hard can it be movies. i'm gonna i'm gonna get into a makeup program yeah and then oh but there's also other courses i've taught on where like the prosthetic section is just you know a couple of weeks of a much bigger course and it's just something that some of the people there just have to wade through in order to do the stuff they want to do but uh but in, in any event it just it often happens where you know i'm in a group maybe in a class of like 20 and you can split them into three categories there's the people that really really dig it there's the people that are just getting on with it and doing what they have to do and there are other people that if they're there it's you know i've often heard of tutors saying like wow you know they didn't turn up for half the classes for whatever reason they may have legitimately tough problems it's a universal thing um here an example from my time in china which was was wonderful um, my class was was full of working makeup artists who wanted to expand their skill set because the, you know the film business in southern China is just about to explode, um, and they have little to no experience with any kind of effects, mm-hmm. whether it be prosthetics, blood, you know, none of it. Um, but they're all working straight in beauty makeup artists but a lot of the coursework we were doing is we were sculpting because we were going to be making molds of of pieces and so on and admittedly there were a few not many but some in the class that had zero interest in sculpting and mold making and trying to maintain during those parts of the course was tough because Mm. you know they wanted to do the application only they Mm. couldn't have cared less about pushing clay around yeah and i i mean i understand i think you know a lot of these processes it it was part of the course yeah a lot of these processes may be unfamiliar or maybe you didn't even know they were going to be there but when you get reports from the from the tutors on the courses that they're systematically flaky at everything and they just you know they don't really want to be there um it's very hard to have enthusiasm on behalf of other people who clearly are just there because they've been told they have to rather than people that want to. And it's just good to know that if you're going to an institution like a degree or something, makeup school or prison for you. Well, exactly. But it's good to know if you're, you know, if you, if you are paying money to go on a makeup course, there may be people on that course who will probably take up a disproportionate amount of tutor time who don't really want to be there. And, and that's Mm -hmm. a factor to consider over and above a private course where maybe only there for a couple of weeks, you know. I think that's a, an educational problem across the board, regardless of of subject matter. I suppose, because but a lot of people think of this as something that people love. That's, that's what we do. Yeah, I guess that's true. But it, it that it's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. I mean, I remember once I was on a teaching on a course, and uh, there was somebody that came in late, and it was weird. It was a day that I was being assessed as a tutor, and I, I. I visited this place like one or two days in a year but they had to sort of monitor this was a day where they were monitoring tutors and then i got a feedback at the end saying about how i hadn't dealt with the late comer or something in the right way or something and it it struck me like if this was a job i just fire you (laughs) which you know what i mean so that it's kind of self-policing in the freelance world if you if you don't do what you're going to do we just fire you so if you don't have the same 
level of, of, of professional regard and etiquette in the education process, then perhaps you don't find that out. So in a well, way, there could have been... You would get kind of an assessment um, as a tutor that you didn't address the latecomer, which would have been to the detriment of everybody else in class if you stopped what you were doing to spend time to catch that stand up where you were mm. with everybody else. Now, if, if, if after the class they wanted to, hey, sorry I was late, you know, could you catch me up after class to take class time to suddenly stop and catch that person up and everybody else is sitting there twiddling their thumbs waiting for this person who couldn't have cared less because they were already late. Yeah. But my worry is, my worry that's is, unfair to everybody else. yeah. But my worry is that the 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 stock of people attending courses perhaps think like that. So you have to then design a program where the stuff you teach is so fucking basic and it's done in such a a, a rote way that you you could catch them up because the stuff you've taught hasn't been that involved. Do you know what I mean? So it ends up being that. Does that mean then the stuff that gets taught is so fucking basic and so McDonald's where it's just like a plus B equals C, and this, you know what I mean? It just becomes, like, not how it's right. done at all. Um, so you're trying to teach that. This is what I'm saying. It's not really a vocational... It's a, it's a vocational. It's not really an education. It doesn't kind of belong in that framework. I, I'm not sure it, it kind of works in a way. Um, and I wrote a blog post in 2011. I'll put a link on it called uh, What is the Best Way to Learn Makeup Effects? And it kind of dug into this, and it basically highlighted like you know originally if you were going to be a makeup artist you would perhaps have an apprenticeship which is sadly you know almost non-existent so i appreciate it's not something that people get to do often um but the idea of an apprentice was that you started on the back foot you know you had to keep up your end of the bargain in order to remain there and if you didn't pull your weight mm -hmm. if you weren't good enough if you turn up late if you were rude if you were you know not diligent if you weren't doing the things you were supposed to do that would be required of you as a professional you were out and there was somebody to take your place. Whereas if you've paid a money in advance, then I've seen like students who are just like the fact that they've paid and are there should somehow the information should get inside their head. And the fact that they haven't attended half the classes because they had a hangover yeah, is not, is not yeah, factored I've, in. I've paid you, you owe me this. Just give me the information. Yeah. And it's, it's of course, if they've been, if they've paid, they, they're owed the information, but they've paid access to learn it. It's not, once you pay the check, it downloads into your brain. You have to fucking do the work. And it it feels like I have seen, you know, and there is a, a burden on tutors. I, I guess it's the same in the States. There's a burden on the tutors to, 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 to maintain the students' attendance and everything. And if they just don't fucking turn up, it's kind of the tutor's fault. It's like, why are you not retaining them? It's like, well, because she didn't fucking want to come. She shouldn't be here. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it seems like the no, wrong no, it comes back to being way around. An unqualified to be there in the first place. It's for profit schools don't require portfolios for entrance. I mean, I know universities have gone through a kind of a, a transformation in that they're, they are, you know, opened up to people from different backgrounds and they're trying to, how to put like democratize education so it's not there was a time where if you went to university like 50 60 years ago you were like you know the middle class elite whereas now you know and i include myself in this you know i have a degree and i came from a working class background my mum was a cleaner my dad was an electrician so you know we weren't we didn't earn a lot of money so i benefited from that expansion of inclusion but at the same time the people that are there surely have to be you have to triage 
the people coming in so that they go into the right place. I'll give you another example where I did a course. I think I, I visited a college for two days. And for half of one of those days, three or four of the people that were there the first day weren't there the second day. And it turns out that they were there doing like um, GCSE, like remedial English and maths qualification because they needed it as part of their course and they could do it as part of their course, which is good that they were offered that opportunity. But it meant that, you know, 25% of my time that they were there, they didn't get. There's a quarter of my time. I'm only there for two days. And it kind of felt like surely that should be like factored into it that you either have two different kinds of classes where maybe it's only three days a week for the college and the other two days are for the education or something but if it actually takes away from visiting tutor time again that just seems like a broken system so i'm not i'm not denigrating the yeah, fact that they learn a, their stuff system. there money, money aside you know the bottom line is getting the work done the work needs to get done yeah it's about doing doing the work and if you and if you can't cut it, if you can't do the work, then you need to bow out and make room for somebody who wants to be there and can do the work. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I guess there there's always been you know a system of. of, of it's great that you want an education, mm. but but just having the cho- yeah. The work. It, it's not it's not a situation where everybody gets a trophy just for showing up. Certainly not what you you've got to do. You got to do the work. Yeah, it's a tricky one. So anyway, so <laughs> I don't want that to be a down or no, but I, I seriously, if 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 you are a tutor or a, a student in the college and you agree with us or you disagree with this, please email us. Let us know. It's stuartandtodd at gmail dot com. I'm, I, I want to do another. I want to come back to this as a as a as a couple of episodes. Yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a it's a great topic, and you know, I think you and I are on the same page with this. Um, but if you guys want to get in, get a hold of us and let Stuart know that he's full of shit or me, please do, please do. <laughs> well, I, it just seems to but me tell that us why, you know, don't just, just, don't just say you're wrong. If you disagree, you know, and I'm sure there are people who do. It's a, it's a healthy debate and, and it's a problem worldwide, I think. And probably in, 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 in every subject, like you say, um yeah but uh it, yeah it's, it's, it's a tough one um but yeah that's that's my experience so i think we should uh we should draw a line under that for now and we'll talk about bob burns the the main feature what, of our he, he is recording. a great guy yeah and he makes great tools he does make very very good tools um so i was lucky when i was in texas in august <laughs> it seems like so long ago we recorded this it's been that busy um he he has a, a company called Cutting Edge Sculpture. If you just check out cuttingedgesculpture.com, um, you'll see his stuff mm-hmm. there. Um, we actually have a set of tools here, incidentally, that I want to give away as a prize. So we need to figure out what the question would be. Cool. I bought a set of the Steve Wang tools, and I'm, I'm going to put a picture of that. Oh, those are nice ones. They're beautiful. Yeah. I bought a set for I've myself. I've got a bunch of small, small loops that I use. Probably they have they have become my favorite tools yeah they're they're beautifully made and the, the thing is it, you know rob burns is a sculptor but he's worked with sculptors like steve wang you know who's not bad <laughs> i think we no, can all Steve's agree all right. <laughs> okay. um 
so uh so he's got a set of tools that he's he's designed with rob and they're, they're fantastic i'm just going to read the um if you're not familiar with who rob burns is i'm just going to read the the bio from his web page my name is Rob Burns and I'm the owner of Cutting Edge Sculpture. I have over 20 years experience in sculpting and crafting tools for clay modelling. I have a deep passion for art and particularly the implements to create it. Seeing a lack of specialised clay modelling tools and not being satisfied with the quality of the tools that were available was what got me starting making my own tools. Now it's my passion to create the best quality sculpting tools anywhere while still making them affordable. Uh, it's worth checking him out on uh, Instagram. He's on there as CES Sculpture on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some and videos. Uh, there's some videos because he did some classes with Brick in the Yard while I was there. Um, so if you check out, I'll put links on the show notes and on the podcast blog post about this uh, of him using his tools and just some really nice little sculpting um, um, tutorials, which are pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we just sat and chatted about uh, sculpting, what got him started, how he did it. And uh, and then uh, he, I and then Mitch all, all had a chat about various things. And one one of the things we were talking about a little bit about this was the whole, uh, the you know how uh, the internet opens things up and people get in touch and ask questions about things. Um, and it's almost like replaces thinking in a way. Sometimes people will just email you with a question, and it's like wow, it's like it's easy to ask the question, but this is a a day's worth of writing. I can't. It, it, there's so much wrong with your question um so yeah. there's a there's a little bit about that in there um which is going to be fun so uh yeah listen to this and uh, uh and see what you think yeah, horrible. so there we go so i'm having a little play with these tools and they're they're really nice thank you <laughs> i'm gonna sculpt something with them so so yeah. these are the, the steve wang signature series which i guess these are a new range yeah this was uh this was about a year and a half in the making, um, kind of going back and forth with uh, with Steve to get them just right, to get them to exactly as closely as I can match the tools that he, he uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, they're just kind of they're manufactured to the way the way we do our tools, which is with the injected epoxy uh, in the end, so that they will not pop out on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rubberized handle, it's kind of nice to hold, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it. it it makes it a lot more comfortable, especially for, you know, the hours long sessions where you're, you know, really doing a lot of detail work and, you know, doing that kind of pinching and, yeah. you, know, you know, it wears your fingers out. That's true. Oh, that feels nice. So if it can make it a little bit easier, you know, a little bit more comfortable then. Yeah. That is really cool. And this is, uh, I'm using the monster clay, which isn't something I normally sculpt with. I normally sculpt with something a bit softer than this. Because this is, I had this whole thing about plastiline uh that i think because in the states it's i think it's it's warmer for larger areas mm. for more of the time so i think the softer clays are not really as required here because yeah you know especially in a workshop where it's kind of warm um it tends to soften up so you want like the mediums whereas this i've used this yeah. in, like it leaves in january in, and it's in my shop uh the last this last project that i worked on um i'm flying out to la next weekend uh for to shoot it uh, I did a uh, kind of a helmet mask, like a hard uh, fiberglass uh, finished piece. But mm. uh, sculpting that, my intention was I'm going to sculpt this in monster clay so that it'll get nice and firm and I can really, you know, get that nice kind of machined look, you know, that manufactured yeah. angular look. But the temperature in my shop never dropped below 90 degrees. 
So it stayed soft the whole time. Right. I ended up having to do a lot more body work on it than I wanted to, <laughs> just because it was so nice for so building hard. up soft, quick shape forms and everything. But yeah, uh, yeah, you can't get the machine fit. I think that's the thing about this; it's really nice for that. We use a sometimes like a freezer spray. Then, do you use that? Like a, you, spray you know, it, it was one of those things I never. I keep it's in the back of my mind, but when I'm actually out and about, never remember to get it. Yeah. <laughs> So I know it's good for removing crumbs and stuff like that, or if you want to harden up a spot real quick and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and tool it. Uh, but yeah, I just neglectful. <laughs> and it's interesting how like the temperature makes a difference. We did a, a class here a few years ago, and it was the year I think Mitch's air conditioning broke down. So we had some hide. He hired oh, some yeah. air conditioning units in there, and we got the room down to about 80 degrees Fahrenheit, which was still pretty toasty. Yeah. But we were sculpting a Le which was really soft anyway. Oh, no. And then we were soaking the pieces overnight. And I neglect, because in, in England, the water comes out of the taps. I didn't even know how it's still liquid. It should be ice and stuff. <laughs> um, but nice. here, obviously, the pipes are traveling for a long time. Yeah. On the surface or not far below the surface of the Texan ground. And it just, yeah, it, just it comes out feet. like, you know, like a cool bath rather than... Uh, cold. Yeah, it's pretty tepid. <laughs> it was. So we water. had the, the tepid water with the soft clay and the warm environment, and we're trying to get those, float, those pieces off. Oh, float like chewing gum. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was not a fun time. Did you have to dump ice in it? Or? <laughs> we should have done. I don't think we had enough ice, but it was a it was a good indication of like you know how your environment can affect things like oh, yeah. your materials and stuff. So you might get advice from yeah. one place, and then you know it, it obviously has to be cross-referenced with, yeah, but how does it work for you? Because mm-hmm. obviously you know, a lot of big workshops, they don't heat more, they don't cool them down because it's too expensive. Yeah, I spent a couple hot. of days battling with uh, the humidity on, on a uh, smooth cast plastic. Yeah. Because uh, it was just, it's been raining every day. So the humidity has been in the 70 to 80% range. And so, yeah, it, trying to pour little, basically little lenses for LED lights that are going, that go in the mask. And it's, it was just, before I could even, before, before it would kick off, it would just start foaming up and I'd get a big bulge and, yeah. Have to pop it back out and there's like redo nothing it. you can I, I ended up having to go back to a longer set um version of it dropping it in setting it up in the pressure pot and doing one side at a time oh my God. and just clamping the lid on and pr- putting it under pressure for half an hour before i could get a nice flat clean wow lens it's the kind of stuff that you don't really appreciate. Well, I mean, two you whole appreciate, days. but you know, <laughs> two whole so days wasted so on, on, on just two little, what should have just been drop, 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 done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywhere else, any other time would have been mm-hmm. fine, but you were just, yeah, uniquely just placed. The humidity is just murder. Oh, man, that's rough. So tell me, so Robert, how, how do you start making tools? Is it just that you wanted some tools? Not this particular one, but I'm just saying, was it a case of you wanted tools, you couldn't find the ones you wanted, or you had some and they, you, they broke on you? Or? Um, a little bit of both, yeah. Um, Early on, uh, I my my best friend uh, Jason Cope, he kind of got me into well, was kind of my just started teaching me. He kind of became my mentor over 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 years. Um, we knew each other as kids, but I didn't really know that he was into it or anything. We kind of parted ways, and we were doing separate lives. And um, Long story short, we kind of reconnected, and he had just done an internship out in California mm-hmm. uh, at a shop called Precision Effects, and uh, worked the whole summer out there. Uh, so, I, as soon as I found out that you know he was done, like, are you serious? I'm like, this is what I want to do. I'm like, I'd been a fan of horror movies, you know, my whole life. My mom was, you know, into horror movies. So I was like, really? seven, oh, that's cool. Eight years old, watching, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, and you know, she just, I mean, it. It was never a, an issue with her, so, you know, it got me into it. 
and um, then I saw uh, I saw Steve Johnson on um, a little uh, video called uh, Stephen King's This Is Horror, and they're interviewing him for you know, in, in his XFX shop, and he mentioned something to the effect of, uh, "Yeah, kids, you can tell your parents this is a real job." <laughs> that was when the the switch went off. I'm like, really? Like you can you can do that? You can get paid to that's a career choice, <laughs> uh-huh. you know? So that I was, I was hooked from that moment. And that was, that was about 12 years old. Amazing. And 15 got hooked up with Jason and he started teaching me, you know, everything that he learned in California, everything he knew, you know, he had, uh, he had the, the Lee Bagan book, the, the Dick Smith book and the Tom Savini's Grand Illusions. Yeah. Let me borrow those, uh, until I got my own copies and I, I would just pour it over the pages and I'd call him every night, like with questions like, well, what about this? I'm like, I, I'm having trouble with this, you know, positive to negative to positive thing. I'm kind of getting to me. It was, you know, kind of abstract. Yes. Uh, so yeah, we just, it really cemented a strong friendship. And then he'd gotten a, a job, uh, from his uncle. So we had a, a project, this big sea serpent thing that we did. Um, but he taught me how to make uh, rakes and he taught me how to make some, some basic like wood tools and, you know, so I kind of started building my kit that way. And then at the time I was trying to teach myself to play guitar a couple of broken strings later. And I'm like, Hmm, this would be these. <laughs> this would be really neat to make some tools out of. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, fast forward a few years, um, he loaned out my sculpting kit cause I'd left it at his place and I'd moved out of state and, uh, never got it back. So once I, uh, my kids started getting a little older and got to the point where I'm like wanting to pursue makeup again and kind of get back into it, you know, I kind of started, it's, it'd been gnawing at me for years, 12, 12 years or so. Um, so of course I had no sculpting tools and went and bought some, you know, copper tubing and some saw blades and started making some and trying to build my kit back up again. And, you know, my, my wife tells the story that it was my idea, but my recollection is that she was the one who, who, who said, these are really cool. Have you thought of selling them? And so the that was kind of the impetus for the idea to put a couple of sets on eBay and see if they, they do anything. Um, and I sold a few and then just kind of like, well, how can I make these better? I hated the crimped ends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, it was just, it didn't hold very well. You know, there's, there were just a lot of flaws with it. So I just kind of started tinkering and you know, how can I make these better? How can I make them, you know, stronger? How can I make it, you know, so that they don't snap all the time and just kind of started working on it. And that was almost 10 years ago now. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's just been growing it. I think it's just, you made a lot time. of tools. <laughs> you made a lot of tools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are, there are those days when. The, the calluses on my hands have calluses. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, I can imagine. There's nothing like, I guess, iterations, you know, just doing it again and again. And each time, I guess, you get a little better and refine it. And I think that's why it's nice if, you know, I'm going to buy it. Like, I bought a set of these and it's just like, you know, I get the, the wisdom. Or the, I get the benefit of that wisdom without having to lay <laughs> <laughs> my fingers down. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, you know, there's, there is the, the, this, the idea of, you know, you should make your own tools. Why, why would you pay money to, to buy, uh, to buy these? But I mean, the idea for me was always to have something that you didn't have to keep buying over and over again Yeah. and making them takes time. It does cost a little bit of money, you know, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, to me, it just makes sense, you know. Absolutely. It, especially if in a professional setting where you're getting paid to sculpt, not make tools. Yeah. You know, you need that. I think that's true. I think that's true. I mean, I, I mean, I, I make a fair amount of my tools, but I also buy my tools. I mean, yeah. I, I, I have a real fondness for tools anyway. Yeah. I can't get enough of them. And, I, I think the reason I started making my own tools was because I wanted them. So if mm. I find tools that I like, I will buy them with the same desire. It's still my yeah. need to have the tools. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, and I mean, I think making making your own tools is, to me, it's part of the process. Part of being a sculptor is, you know, nobody else sculpts the way you do. Yeah. You know, there's there's going to be plenty of times where you're working on something and you just wish you had a tool that would reach into this area or that would do this specific task. Yeah. And you know, make it, you yeah. know, that's, that's part of your process. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's why, you know, I, I try to make as many different, you know, kind of unique designs as, as possible. Yeah. Uh, to, to, so that someone would say, Hey, you know, I've been wanting something just like that, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest anybody stop making their own tools and just buy them, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. or even just buy mine. No, I mean, I think it's the same. <laughs> I mean, I, I get through tools and I use a lot. I mean, obviously these are built to last and everything, but you know, it's, it's, I think as you, as you develop things and change things, you know, as you get better at things, you certain things, like I know there are people that have never use rakes and then when they use a rake, oh my God, it makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. I think it's great. You know, you've got these lovely rakes and you know, th these little, the Steve Wang ones, they're, they're kind of stubby, you know, they're not long, so they're get a lot more control with them i think the thing that people don't realize looking at tools is actually the feel of how they how they feel yeah. and how many you use them yeah because that's actually where you know you you get that uh, that that payback i think these feel really nice yeah when i do the conventions there's uh there's two two separate reactions that i get and it it, it tells me kind of where helps me to kind of gauge where they're at mm -hmm. uh skill wise uh and that's the the consumer, the person who comes up and picks it up and looks at it and goes, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, what, is, uh, what does this do? Mm -hmm. And then there's the one who, from halfway across the aisle, spots the table, runs over and goes, oh, my God, these are awesome. Yeah. You know, wow, look at these handles. And, you know, take one out of the package, you know, take it, you know, get a feel for it. Oh, I love the handles. And yeah. the, the ones who immediately recognize the difference. Yeah, they've done the work already to stuff, get to that point. You know, you, yeah. you know that, okay, they've, they've at least played with these for for quite a bit yeah no i think it's good and they get the benefit of that time i think it's the same with blood as well people like it happens all the time people go how do you make blood does it and, and the trouble is a lot of it is good blood's hard to make consistently it is. and to be honest it's kind of already there are people already unless unless you really don't like what's currently being made. if you're just trying to save a, what you think is a couple of bucks you haven't understood how much effort's involved especially for like it, things staining fabric costume skin it's like that's you know, all of that stuff's been figured yeah. out on the, on the, on the bloods that are already sold. And, um, there's definitely value from, you know, like you say, if you're, if you're a seasoned person, if you've, if you've done stuff, if you've made a yeah. hundred tools, you tend to not have a problem buying any <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because you realize how much work there is to make a good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, blood's uh, not something I've played a lot with. Um, but I, I've, my, my attempts have been poor. Yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah. one of those things that, that it seems in your head. I was just caught caro syrup and some food colors, but there's a bit more to it than that. Oh I mean, yeah, I'm not saying there aren't people that have done it and they've been successful, but it's that case of well, yeah. But if you've just hired like a vintage costume for several thousand dollars and yeah. you find out you've stained it because you didn't realize it would stain, um, suddenly that doesn't yeah. seem like such a cheap blood anymore. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> now, it's, now it's a really expensive one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a tricky, tricky situation to get stuck in. What kind of stuff do you sculpt? Do you like, um, uh, 
like, I, a, like a figurative thing or a, a prosthetic-y thing or mask Mostly thing? I like prosthetics. Um, you know, my most of, you know, when I, when I, from when I first started learning on up till now is most of what I, the sculpture I've done is prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been pushing myself the last year or so to get away from that and start doing just more figure sculpting and trying to work on, on an armature that's just, you know, a ball rather than something that has the the anatomy already built in. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I'm, I'm finding that, you know, it's a, it's a whole different animal, you know, to trying to, trying to create that anatomy and making your, making your, your, uh, grasping at the word here. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll make it proportion sound. is the word I'm so desperately, uh, grasping for. Yeah. No, to get the proportions right. And I mean, yes. it's so easy to have an eyeball, you know, just slightly forward of the other one when there's not something there, you know, keeping it in place. Yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying finally doing more. Um, I feel like I'm finally getting, getting to be proficient at it. Yes. Um, but I still consider myself very much a student. Um, I think that's the internal kind of curse in a way, because the better you get, yeah. the more you expect of yourself. And I don't, I've never met anyone that that, that, that considers themselves to be a good sculptor. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's kind of like they are, but they don't tend to think of themselves. Because I think the better you get, the more you want from it. And yeah. It's it's pretty, you know. I mean, watching some, looking at stuff like Jordan Shell stuff, and just effortlessly banging out clay, and you want to yeah. get to that point where yeah, you know, the exactly. clay just does what you tell it. Uh, but seemingly, it's, that's not that's not. It doesn't come that easy. It's just yeah, a lot it's, of practice. It's just doing <laughs> doing it thousands and thousands of times yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm finally trying to finally making more time to to do that. You know, taking particularly like you know taking projects that force me to have to do it you know now i'm getting paid to do it so i have to you know i can't just put this on the shelf and then go back to making tools or you know whatever i've got to get this done mm-hmm. um so it's uh yeah it, it it's it's something I've, I've always loved to do um but now now i'm kind of going back the other direction i want to do more prosthetics I, i'm taking the uh the dick smith course okay um and it's funny because i was accepted back in 92 <laughs> and I, I never took it. <laughs> but life got in the way. Yeah, just... <laughs> life kind of went in a different direction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now I'm I'm course correcting and decided, you know, this is something I want to do. I could probably get work without it, um, but it's something I want to finish. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a good thing to do. I mean, I haven't done it myself, but I know a fair few people have. And I know, you know, Andrew Clements kind of picked up the whole battle yeah. where Dick's left off. And he's a very, very capable teacher. I mean, he's very Definitely. good at what he does, but... There are a lot of people who are good, but they're not very good at getting other people to to become good as well. Yeah, and, you know he's very good with that. So I think it's going to be a fantastic thing. So that means you've yeah. got like projects. You're, 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 you've got makeups that you're. Yeah, to, um, you've got I'm, to finish. You I've know? got my first one is in the design phase right now. I'm working with my wife on something. I promise I made years ago when first started. You know, she, she kind of convinced me to, you know, actually start doing it again. I never got rid of my makeup kit. You know, I, I kept it in the in the back of the closet for years. And I guess in the back of my mind, eh, maybe one day I want to pick that back up. And so when I started talking about it, she was almost insistent. She's like, you know, this is this is who you are. This is a part of you. You know, just do it. She's like, you don't you don't even have to you know worry about you know trying to get back into the business or anything like that. Just just the do it. You itself, love doing yeah, it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. That I kind of I don't know. I, I guess I just I had a really poor outlook on it for for so many years Mm -hmm. you know i looked at it as well i can't make anything of it so i'm just not gonna 
I'm just not going to bother with it. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was the wrong way to look at it. Because I look back now and I'm like, that's 12 years I could have been working and getting better. I guess, but you had a family to raise and you were doing all the right things. And you made yourself, you know, you know you're still able to come back to it. It's not like, yeah. you know, you yeah. destroyed yourself in the, in the intervening years that you are now no longer yeah. capable of doing it. That was, that was probably the best feeling in the world when it finally, you know, the light bulb went off that, well, you're not dead yet. Mm -hmm. There's nothing saying you can't, you know, yeah, man. can't give it a shot. And then, you know, the tool business kind of started picking up and we started getting some notoriety and, you know, now all of a sudden people who I've idolized, you know, most of my life know my name, you yeah. know, I mean, it just blows my mind that, you know, I, I can walk around Monster Palooza and, you know, instead of me chasing down, you know, Steve Johnson, he's like, hey, Rob, hey, how's the tools going, you know, it's just surreal. <laughs> I'll bet, I'll bet. Surreal. Yeah. Um, I've not shown any of my work to any of them. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, let's just keep this a, a good <laughs> yeah. experience. I'll start showing off work when I'm, I'm ready, you know, when I, when I feel like I'm, I'm getting there, you know, I've, I have, I've worked for uh, Universal for a couple of years in uh, the central shops as a, as a painter. I've got a, what, mostly what I did over that last, you know, 12, 15 years was uh, uh, automotive body and paint. Mm -hmm. uh, did some custom painting and that was, instead of going home from work and sculpting, I was, I had practically ran a body shop out of my garage. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was, yeah, all my time. Uh, did that for Universal, painting their ride vehicles and then transferred to figure finish which is, that was the best job I've ever had. We wow. we got to, what they do is uh, maintain and repair all of the skins for all the puppets, you know, in Jurassic Park. We got to work on the dinosaurs and Harry Potter. We got the, the goblins, um, show sets, animations. Uh, basically, if it moved or had an effect, um, it was ours. That sounds like really parts. good training. It was <laughs> fun, Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, it was, uh, that was a really fun job. And so, yeah, it, working with, I mean, just all different kinds of stuff that I've never even considered doing before. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it was really good, uh, really good training ground. I think this is important. Like when you have a, a job like that, which, which throws you into different things that perhaps you wouldn't have chosen because a lot of people, I think they kind of avoid things or it's probably more correct to say people choose things based on what they think it's going to give them. And it's interesting that. If yeah. your job is like, you know, there's a bunch of things you're going to be doing, some of which you know are cool, some of which yeah. you don't know, they're unknown quantities, but actually when you do them, you go, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I had so much fun, even, even painting the ride vehicles. I mean, for the, the Harry Potter, uh, the Escape from Gringotts trains were all uh, fiberglass and carbon fiber, uh, textured with Bondo, basically, to look like uh, old cast iron, like steel. Um and faux painted to look rusted and I mean that was, that was really fun stuff to do because we had to you know if if there was a repair done you know fiberglass repair maybe you know a six inch by six inch square you know we had to texture that and blend it out to match and we had to paint it to match so that it was invisible we had to do tons of airbrushing on like uh, the dueling dragons or the dragon challenge um covers for the the bogey covers for the the roller coaster mm -hmm. and it was all like dragon scale pieces and one big head and you know, just really fun stuff to do. And it was kind of mixed a lot of that. I mean, I love airbrushing. I love, you know, I, I, I do still love automotive painting, especially the, the custom, custom work. Mm -hmm. But, um, when I went to figure finish, that was just a mix of 
everything. I mean, we did, we worked on fiberglass figures. We worked on, you know, so there was, there was still some automotive component there to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, worked with silicones and we mold making and I did some sculpting. I did a, a fake hand for the ET ride. Uh, I took a cast of my hand that we used really old Siobhan NSP to pour it up with. And it turned out terrible and not thinking we just kind of destroyed the mold because oh, it'll be fine. <laughs> so we had, you know, this crappy clay pour that I had to re-sculpt, and uh, that was when I took away uh, longer than they wanted me to on because I was determined this was going yeah. to be a good piece. Yeah. This is going to be a show piece. I don't care if anybody's not going to see it. It's between me and the clay now. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is I, I'm going to win. Uh, so I was pretty happy, actually. I'm going to have a picture of that. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was uh, the finished piece. Oh, wow. There were lap lines all over the back of the hand. And the inside of the fingers were hollow. That was all had to be resculpted because uh, wow. it was it was like a chocolate bunny that you'd taken bites out of. <laughs> That's gorgeous. Thank you. And my oh, it's my son. Uh, God, how is he for, now? He's seventeen now. This was last year. I think it was he was going to a uh, a school event. But um, yeah, I did that with uh, I painted it with um, it was Dupont's. Um, I forget the number. What was it? Uh, we just we just called it dispersion because it's just an acetoxy silicone that's most of the way thinned down for you. Mm-hmm. So we just add the naphtha and use soap pigs for pigment and painted it with that and the airbrush. That looks fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I was that one I was I was pretty proud of. Especially when you know you know what it looked like before. Oh <laughs> yeah. You really feel like you've overcome something. What it was replacing was uh, hell. It might have even been the original one and that ride's been there since 1990 that was one of the first rides that university put in wow. um but it was made of latex and it was just gummy and sticky and the animation is sitting in a tent we call him bob in the tent and when as the ride vehicle comes by the arm moves uh a coleman lantern out of the way like he's kind of peering out to to see you riding by uh and the, the lantern was just covered in just gummy sticky nasty mess uh, so we cleaned that up and then redid the hand and did redid it in silicone instead. Wow, and that was a that was a fun project. That my leads were like <laughs> my lead Billy Bob. He was uh, he's a he's a interesting guy. He's he's worked in movie industry for a long time and everything. But he's been with Universal for years and years, like right from the beginning. And he'd come by, dude. What are you doing, man? Like, come on, man. Ain't nobody gonna see it. Ain't nobody. I'm like, I know, I know. But I'm gonna matters. see it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Come on, man! They're really leaning on me now. We gotta get to this thing. Just get down, man. Man, it's Halloween time. We can go to, we can go down to get get a get something from you know Halloween store. We just get a latex hand, put it on there. I'm like, ain't nobody gonna see it. I'm like, no, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll, I'll speed it up. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll speed it up. Yeah, yeah. Blame the clay. It's crappy. But if you can feel it, like, offend your very being, then you kind yeah. of know, well, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing because I can't yeah. let this go. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. think that's an important feeling to recognize that because it's that is something that a lot of people that, that really care about this, they do it. They, they feel it, you know, as much as anything else. And um, It's interesting you were saying about, like, doing different things and having kids and coming back to it. There was, there was somebody on Facebook this morning saying that they, they had a day job and they were just feeling really down and stuff because they were working and they were just being like told, oh, you know, stop playing with clay and you know, get back to your job and all this kind of just being yeah. really mean about it. And it's just like, I think a lot of people that 
don't have anything like that. Um, they're kind of a bit suspicious of anyone that kind of makes things or creative. And I think yeah. it's because not not as much now. There is still craft, but it's not like like 300 years ago. Or if you're Amish, you know, if you have a oh, house, yeah. it's because you built it. If you have a nice field of crops, it's because you planted it. And I think yeah. so many of us are removed from the yeah. act of making things nowadays. It's a little bit of a kind of a sideline suspicious. But things like the universal rides or whatever, that they, they depend on that. Yeah, and because people kind of are used to seeing things that are manufactured, they don't realize there are people that fix these Everything things and make them happen. This is, is not, you know, there isn't a thousand of these being pumped out of a machine every hour. This right. is handcrafted, and it does exist. And I think people need to recognize that they have options because it's not just about movies. It's not just about TV oh, shows. Yeah. There's so yeah. many areas, especially in the states, with like the haunt industry and all kinds of stuff. There's a big, yeah, there's a big appetite for that kind of stuff. So I think it's important to. To find something that you can apply yourself to and do it, yeah, and keep busy. Yeah, and that's. Uh, I'm I'm happy to see like the kind of I guess maker movement or whatever you know that's that's yeah. been there's been a growing awareness of of that that you know, I think we have a need to make things. I mean, yeah, I think we have a need to to have a craft, you know, and I I would really like to see more of that coming back. Absolutely. And I think, I don't know if it's happening in schools over here, it's a little bit, but uh, there's so much effort putting on, you know, coding and like science and math. And they, those are good subjects, but they're not, they're not things that I particularly excel at. And I don't yeah. remember at school, like, you know, if you could, if you were good at a sport or something, you know, if you could play football or, or, or cricket or, or basketball or something that the, the school could use as currency, yeah. you know, that you ended up getting, you know, awarded and everyone would cheer it yeah. and all that kind of stuff would be good. Whereas if you were good at sculpting or drawing, that wasn't really something that had a, oh, yeah, an no outlet for <laughs> No one cared for it. And yeah. it's like, it needs to be encouraged, I think. Cause it doesn't it does. matter because it's, it's a, it's a big thing. Yeah. I think Not everybody's good at, you know, at, at everything. Everybody's got, you know, something yeah. that they're good at, you know, I mean, it, I don't think that the goal should be for everybody to go into business or go into you know, law or going to medicine, yeah. you know, that these, that these are the, you know, this is the, the height of aspiration here is, is you, uh, you, you have to go into one of these kind of fields to, to do well. Yeah. And it's just nonsense. I mean, if you're, if you're good at something and you, you continue to do it, you keep doing it over and over again, eventually you're going to get so good at it that you're in demand for yeah. it, yeah. you know, and even if there aren't a lot of jobs for it, you can still teach it. You yeah. know, I mean, there's there's avenues. There's there's a way in. There's there's a way to do it. Yeah. Or it could just be a sanity check. It could just be a way that you unwind. I mean, yeah. this is the thing. It's it's, it's got to it, it's got to matter to you. And I, I see yeah. this sometimes in colleges. I'll, I'll, I'll teach in colleges, and they'll be like, it's often uh, like makeup schools and things like that. And you'll yeah. get probably a, a typical example would be like you might have twenty girls. Typically, always girls in a class. Mm -hmm. That's just how it breaks down in beauty school. Um, and then the, probably 15 of them don't really want to be there. Or if they do, they think it's going to be easy because they use makeup. So they think, how hard can it be to be right. a makeup artist? So by definition, sometimes you get a good proportion of people that are there because it's an easy option. Because yeah. no one thinks, oh, I'll go into medicine or law. That sounds like an easy time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, right. So you end up with a, with a percentage of people that really, really dig it, but they're having to deal with all the other stuff. And it's like... I, I, I think it is important if you're a creative person and you have a and you speak to people and I'm sure you do this all the time mm. when you speak to people it's like it'll foster that and encourage definitely just an act of itself yeah. like you yeah, were saying even about if it's just you know? a hobby it 
you know, at this one is kind of an expensive hobby, but you know, well, you I mean, say that, but golf just, is pretty expensive, you know. True. You know, so. but, I mean, just just going home and sculpting, or you know, getting out your brushes, or you know, just painting something. Even just you just do a drawing, and you know, do a watercolor. Just something that is an escape, something that that puts your mind into that that you know hyper focused you know state that everything else just kind of melts away. I love that mm-hmm. feeling. I, I'm addicted to it. Yes, you know, I know that, exactly what you mean. That feeling that when you, you once you start getting into something, you know, you've got either a podcast or some music going on in the background, and it's just kind of background, and you you, you get into it, and you reach that point where you have eventually your body tells you you have to get up for something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? It's been four hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you it felt that. like twenty minutes. Yes, it's like a flow state, isn't it? You just become. Yeah. One with whatever it is, and yeah, I know that that thing. Video editing can do that sometimes, <laughs> you know, just swallow you up. But yeah, it's yeah. when you when you get uh, caught up in something, it just takes over, and that's amazing. Rather than looking at the clock, yeah, you know, wondering because I think that's the thing is as well is 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 using your time wisely. I mean, it's really weird. My my uh, my son's got this um, app, and he's it's like, you know, what would you rather? Like these two questions: would you rather oh, this yeah. or that? And they're all the, like conflicting arguments. My mum was like, would you rather have a uh, million dollars every day? Or uh, live every day but be happy or something like that. It kind of occurred to me, the obvious choice to me was to be happy. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be destitute, but presumably if you're happy, that means you're not. So I'd rather take that. Because at the end of the day, I think if you had like more money than you knew what to do with on your deathbed, I don't think you'd be happy that you spend every day miserable. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it seems like a hollow victory. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whereas to do something... Uh, what was know. the goal of that yeah you know, whereas yeah. when you sculpt something or draw something you know, even if it's just for fun you have yeah. a tangible thing and you can see where your efforts went into it and, um, I don't know if that's encouraged in schools or not I don't think it is they only teach to the test yeah. uh, Florida's really bad at it um, they're well, Florida unfortunately out of, out of the 50 states I think we're towards the bottom yeah um, in educate excuse me in education Um and we, when we moved to uh, the Orlando area, we specifically wanted to move to, to Seminole County because it's one of the best schools in the state. Um, it's gotten a little better, but, you know, it's still just teaching to the test. You know, they don't encourage, you know, individualism. They don't encourage, you know, artistic endeavor, you know, things like that. That's stuff that you have to seek out yourself if you want to, to do that. And hopefully your parents are encouraging uh, in that because if they're not then it's going to make it even that much harder mm. uh, and, you know the, the football team's never starving for never starving for funds you know they've always got money for for those trips and for the games and and all that but oh well we got to cut music you know, we have to cut art classes you know do fewer of those you know that's that's i find disheartening yeah i'm the same because i never grew up being good at sports or liking sports always interested in the creative stuff and, yeah uh, I guess it just—it's a squeaky wheel that gets the oil, isn't it? So as a it is as a, as a as a type, we're not that insistent or confident enough to kind of you know to make a noise about stuff. Yeah, you're right. I mean, most of us are, I think, are pretty introverted and mm. you know quiet and shy. And when we're when we're in an environment that doesn't value that thing that you want to stand up for, you're going to be far less likely to stand up. Yeah. It happens a lot, I think, with makeup as well, like makeup departments. Like, you know, if on a film you'll have things like, you know, camera and lighting and, um, you know, grips and track and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And those are big things. They're the big boys. They've got to have those. They've got to have lights. Mm. They've got to have electrics. And if, if the sparks want to put the cable here, you have to let them, mm-hmm. you know. So they, they kind of command a bit more presence. Whereas 
you know, I often hear from people, especially working on lower budget stuff, they're like, you know, they, they won't pay for the makeup or they don't want to pay as much as, and it's like, yeah, but that's because I think a lot of the time it's, it's either guys who don't wear makeup who have no idea how much this stuff costs or, yeah. or it just doesn't get the, the attention it deserves. You know? Yeah, it seems to be, seems to be the case. Uh, I mean, in the hierarchy of things, you know, it doesn't seem that it's, it's very high on a lot of people's list. Uh, as far as importance, unless, of course, you don't show up to set up their monster. (laughs) (laughs) So talk into the furry woodland creature. The furry woodland creature. Yeah, the dead cat. (laughs) So we had lunch. We had some barbecue, which was excellent. It was outstanding, yes, if I do say so myself. Yeah. So we've now got Mitch with us as well, because we figured this morning you were kind of holding the fort while we were getting our stuff. I was. So we were chatting away. So, yeah, so here we are. And we were thinking about things that were quite funny that happen. And I think one of the things is if you like making things, obviously you're very familiar with how things are made. But sometimes you get asked to make things by people that don't have a fucking clue how that happens. And that informs the way they ask and the things they ask in the time frames. Oh, ask. indeed it does. <laughs> and I'm sure as well as a shop owner, you get a lot of questions. And as sculptors, you get odd things that happen to you. And I'm wondering, like, I'll, I'll kick off like one of the stupidest things I was ever asked was I had to sculpt a lizard arm. And I was asked if I could make it look numb. As if I could, in three dimensions, express the lack of sensation, which I thought was probably more performance-related than sculpture-related. But, yeah. but you're, noted... you're, you're, that's a die. <laughs> because you're not addressing whether or not you actually sculpted a numb arm. A numb lizard arm. I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> of that kind of thing. What like, do you mean? What? Doesn't it look numb? <laughs> yeah. Because, well, he puts it on it. He puts his hand on the cooker thing and it burns and he doesn't react. Oh, well, there's your numbness right there. That's... Uh, <laughs> if he'd had a stroke and lost the use of his arm, it wouldn't necessarily change his appearance immediately. It might look starting with it after it's atrophied, but it wouldn't. Uh, yeah, you know, on on this end of this end of things, we get uh, calls uh, weekly, if not daily. Um, where, as as you, I think we've discussed this in a previous podcast about Larry's uh, slogan that he came up with: uh, "Tempering ambitions." Yeah, because have you seen we, the poster? Because yeah. we, <laughs> we do have to say no on a regular basis, and we feel terrible for it. That's one of the that's one of those sad times when sometimes they're very sincere, well-meaning people that that are uh, on a have set themselves on a journey to make something that is you know it's going to end badly. You know, when uh, one of the calls I got, this was in the earlier days of Face Off, somebody called up and said. Uh, um, I don't know if you need to bleep that or not. No, no. But, uh, no. Um, but uh, a guy called up and was saying uh, he wanted, his son was real, you know, my boy is big into the makeup and he wants to do the, the special effects. And I said, oh, great. You know, well, then the first thing you got to learn is life casting. He's like, oh, we already know how to do that from the face off. And not having watched copious amounts of face off, I, I, I can't speak with complete confidence on this, but I'm pretty sure face off has not instructed the general public on how to do life casts. Yes, I think that's so, say. Yeah, so that was... So, uh, and this guy would not be swayed from this. He was convinced that he understood the uh, life casting was just this one minor, uh, you know, kind of like going, opening several doors to get into a grocery store. It was just... And he had already... He was already there. He already knew. And there was no point. And, it, you know, in my mind, I could already see this playing out of all these terrible disasters of... 
you know, Home Depot plaster of Paris being smeared on his child and all kinds no, of things. Yeah, and, not, not going well. So at least, you know, we were able to kind of wash our hands of that and move forward in the conversation. But there's not a whole lot you can instruct somebody on if they, the rudimentary things they refuse to even acknowledge mm. play a part in the process. Yeah, so it's appreciating those basic things like yes. armatures and things. If you're sculpting a figure or anything, or you know, you've got to have a decent. Yeah, but I don't want to put an armature in there. That's, <laughs> that takes too long. <laughs> I want to do Superman with a cape fluttering out behind it, but an armature sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, Sorry, it is. I, I I can channel this way too easily. <laughs> we can we can be here all day. I can easily I can easily harness these powers of the universe. But but yeah, that's. So that's something that uh, is is very frustrating, especially when, uh, and you know, this is something you and I have talked a lot about with, uh, you know, the the kind of the the good news bad news state of the industry and state of things right now is we do have this abundance of information, and there is all this you know it's so easy to hop on YouTube or uh, or just the internet in general and just and search for information, uh, find how to articles. But I think that's also uh, uh, had kind of a cooling effect on people's appreciation of that knowledge. You know, yeah, you just have having to access to the information it, doesn't yeah. make you able to do it. Like, I've got a lot of books, but if I don't read them and then practice what's in them, that's redundant. I hope if anyone starting out, and I, I'm sure if I've said, said this before, somebody just hit me with a blunt object, but the Lee Bagan book. Yeah. You know, to me, if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now and you don't have the Lee Bagan book somewhere, three dimensional you know, makeup, I think, is yeah. by focal yeah, three dimensional makeup. Is it focal press or backstage books? Or uh, it's Morris costumes, I think, is where we get it from. But okay. I don't know. It might be who knows. It's, it's out of print, but you can find it. Oh yeah, because you yeah. mentioned it earlier, and I'm yeah. all excited because I'm thinking yeah. that's one of the books that we had as one well. One of the first books that I got, I borrowed it from my friend, and along with Dick Smith's Monster Makeup Handbook and. Tom Savini, but Tom Savini's yeah. Grand Illusions. Yeah. yeah, that's but that that should be canon, and you know everybody, oh, yeah. everybody's that's listening to this should have that book. And I, I'm not saying this in in com, interest of complete disclosure. We do sell that book. I'm not trying to sell it right now. <laughs> you can go to any used bookstore and probably find a copy for about five or six bucks if you, you should do find that. the right one. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> that is. Uh, I found a hardback copy at Half Price Books uh, a couple of months ago. Right, that was like. Seven ninety nine or something. So it's Great. they're they're out there. They're readily available. And if you don't have one of those, and you are listening to this podcast, claim that you have the book. Go buy it, and then you know buy a used copy. Peel off the price tag, clean it up, make it look like you know it's been yours all along. Yeah, it's worth having that. Yeah, definitely. It, it, we talked about that earlier this weekend. That that book teaches you not just how to make a mold. It teaches you how to think. Like a mold maker. Yes. You know, it, it gives you the it gives you the process, not so much this is a nose mold. It gives you alternatives and it kind of forces you to, to think things through mm-hmm. and gives you the, the kind of a really good snapshot of the whole process. I think that's the thing is you get a whole complete picture. You see it from start to finish. They even break something. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about yeah, to say. Right. Yes, the broken mold in there. Thing, that they put uh... elastic around. I'm pretty sure it wasn't deliberate. Just given, <laughs> given the yeah. way it was, it happens in the book. You're like, this is this is real, man. This yeah. is raw. I think they're probably like <laughs> they actually <leaving>. broke a mold. <laughs> like they, nobody would set out to do that. So yeah. yeah, that 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 to me, that was one of those books that in my magic store days, I 
I would grab that any chance I got and read as much of it as I could. And because back then, and that was, that book went for about 30 bucks and $30 in high school money, circa 1989. That's a big, that was, yeah, that was an investment. So, you know, that wasn't something I could just run out and get, but as soon as I could afford it, man, I grabbed that up and I learned like every part of that. So. We, I mean, and nowadays, I guess th- there are still good books out there. But we were talking uh, earlier about on Instagram. You pointed out somebody was it's uh, David Zhu. David Zhu, yeah. David Zhu stuff, amazing on on um, uh, on Instagram. Okay, I'm gonna have to find that. Yeah, David David Zhu Life Studio. Look him up, and uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing like seeing you know good good work, especially if it's not someone that lots of people know about. I mean, yeah. he has a decent following, but I hadn't heard of him. Yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I had the pleasure well. of. Uh, being parked next to him at Monster Palooza uh, at my table, and really, really nice guy, really humble, um, and just amazingly talented. I mean, some of the the detail, and I mean, tiny sculptures. I mean, little. I I want to say that they're Sculpey or Super Sculpey or something along that line, but you know, maybe you know, on a podcast you can't see my hand motioning about a six <laughs> inch piece, uh, about, about six inches high, four inches high. Um, sculpted on a branch, you know, like a lizard hanging off, and it has these tiny, tiny, tiny little uh, hand-poked uh, scales. That uh, just amazing detail. I'm like, I've seen some amazing work, and I can't even imagine how you would accomplish that. And <laughs> like you were saying they were really it. subtle. It was almost like yeah. such extensive work, but not. It wasn't made obviously. No, no. no. It didn't look like something that was poked into into clay. It looked like scales. Yeah. Which smacks of like a real love for yeah. what they're trying to do. Which oh, is, yeah. you know, what you're saying, like when people just want to make something, it's almost like yeah. you're, you're heartless being the right place. You're gonna, like if you're doing it for fun, you're going to make it for the right reasons. Don't make it because yeah. you've seen a successful sculpture and therefore you want to attach yourself to what you think that feels like. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, you know, some Michelangelo stuff is pretty good, but I'm not going to claim that if I go and get a bag of clay, I'll. I'll be banging out some, you yeah, know, some, some Davids. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and this is you know, something we see a lot on this side of it. Yeah. We, and we have a very unique perspective looking out at the industry from the supply side of it. And, you know, there, there's something, too, that I've just seen as, uh, you know, being working as a contractor and working a lot of different uh, fabrication jobs and things like that was there's being a fan of something. And then there's actually really wanting, being passionate and wanting to do that something, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being a fan. There's nothing wrong with being an enthusiast or whatever and being really passionate from that angle. But that really is a totally different angle than being passionate to the point where, you know, if somebody locked you away in a cabin somewhere, you would find a way to turn tree sap into something that could make sculpture for you or you would be like Matt Damon in the market you would find a way to make it work and you would make that happen and uh where whereas somebody that's more from the fan side of it is you know you're you found something that that really interests you and excites you and that's great but you're not going to be as driven to actually do it Mm. and I think that's that's uh a big difference we see in the amount of mental effort people are willing to go to, to get these things done because there's a lot of stuff that I am curious about and interested in. I mean, sculpting is one of those things. I am more of a sculpting enthusiast and sculpting fan. I can sculpt. If someone held my children at gunpoint and told me to sculpt a portrait sculpt, I might be able to push my way through that to save their lives, but I would not, I would not like it. Yeah. You know, it's not something I would, I would do, you know, on my own. Yeah. Um, but, and I think that's, uh, 
Yeah, I think that's an important differentiation now with a lot of the, there, there's a lot of fan culture, there's a lot of conventions that appeal to that, and, and there, you know, again, nothing wrong with that. That's a, a great thing. I, I'm glad we have a lot of our customers that are kind of on the periphery of what we do, but I think what really brings people into that inner circle of the industry is that passion to do it regardless of, yeah. Yeah. you know, if anybody's watching or not. Yeah, I think there is a danger when there's a lot of it around, because you can see on Instagram and Facebook, yeah. So many pictures, but that kind of belies how much work it takes. To, you know, you still have to be really good and work hard to get that good. Oh, yeah. And you've got to enjoy it, otherwise you're not going to want to do it a lot. It, it, yeah, exactly. If you're not enjoying it, then just stop. Because it's, it's too much money and too much work to, mm. to keep going if you're not enjoying it. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see the point. Now, this, this is a, I don't know if this is still kind of in the same vein <laughs> or not, but uh, this is something we all three of us have touched on in the last week is um, the, you know, I, I've had several customers or acquaintances and friends use the phrase, well, that's not very Dick Smith of them, or that's not very Dick Smith of somebody or whatever. And uh, I've thought about that a lot lately because we get a lot of calls where people expect to be trained on how to do something by way of telephone or email. And, um, and that's something that is unique to this point in time in history that, you know, 20 years ago we had email, but there was no way you were going to get Stan Winston to email back, back and forth with you and, and tell you how to make a fiberglass mold, you know. Yeah. And now it is actually possible to go on Facebook and befriend somebody that's uh, pretty, uh, pretty well known in the industry and then... Uh, assault them with questions for, for uh, you know, uh, technical questions by way of the internet. That and, and a lot of times the rejoinder I hear when somebody says, no, you need to figure that out on your own, is that's not very Dick Smith of you. Well, you know, and I think that's, uh, I think this is something that is kind of used as a, I, I mean, there are, there is a place for sharing knowledge, but I think having a respect for the knowledge and wanting the knowledge enough to work for it is... A critical component of being a professional and uh, you know if, if you can call somebody up and just say hey tell me how to make a collapsible core and they tell you and um, you walk away and do it and uh, that's presuming that of course is, is presuming you could even explain that by phone call let me get that out of the way but if that if that were even possible you would not respect that process mm. and it's kind of like what we were talking about the other day that if you and I sit down and have lunch with a brain surgeon and he gives us some tricks for brain surgery, we might actually be able to employ those tricks, but we might also kill someone in the process of employing those said tricks of brain surgery. We have no business knowing those tricks of brain surgery because we would kill somebody. Sure. And, you know, the same thing in this industry. We're not doing brain science. I don't want to elevate us to that position. But, you know, the to have a respect for those tricks and the little shortcuts that do make the industry work and make it a lot easier, you first have to understand, you have to have a good footing. And a guy who's still fumbling around with pottery plaster in his garage, uh, you know, calling up somebody in L.A. and saying, hey, you know, you're not being very Dick Smith by not explaining the yeah. entire trade to and me. And I just had 20,000 business cards printed up. Come on. Chuck, chuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. The effects were all waiting. Coming, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think... I think that's uh, that's something that again I think is a that whole problem is unique to this time in history that 
we have a we have a time now where we live in an era where you can literally find out just about anything you want online. I mean, mm-hmm. you can search images of molds, you could search videos of molds, you can find all kinds of things immediately. But the trade-off is, I think, some of the respect for that is lost. Yes. If you, you know, depending on how much of hands-on treatment you've had of that, uh, I, I guess I still approach it as a 44-year-old guy. I still approach this from the the era of you know picking up the Lee Bacon book yeah. and flipping it through and going, "Wow, that's what a professional dude's molds look like." Yeah, and that was the holy grail back then. I mean, if you yeah, had a book, really if you had a whole book. On, on one subject like that, that was, I mean, because first, it wasn't in every Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Like Barnes & Noble, I don't even, in Florida, we didn't have them until much later. So, yeah, I mean, every little piece of information was, it was like just kind of following a trail of breadcrumbs, you know, to get the knowledge to just start, just to just to learn how to start to make a mold, you yeah. know, because, you know, okay, I know I need plaster, and I know there's some other kinds of plaster, but I don't know what to buy. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you'd have to really work to get that information before you were even ready to do anything to get your hands dirty. Yeah, yeah. So like you were saying about the whole Dick Smith thing as well. It's like he was generous with his knowledge, but there was also a certain amount of qualification you required mm-hmm. to be allowed into that circle to get the information. It wasn't Bingo. just it amen, wasn't, amen, sir. Yes, and Robert, that's what you were saying about. Yeah, didn't, didn't you say you 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 know the the whole acceptance process that you yeah. had to go through for. The Dick Smith course, which sadly I can't, I can't say that I've ever been at that threshold. I haven't done it either, I, but I know yeah. lots of people that have, and they're better for it. But yeah, it wasn't a case of just like, yeah, hit me up. It's just like, no, you had to prove you were worthy to receive the information to some degree, yeah. and that kind of sounds like an ugly thing you have to have now. But it's kind of like, well, that's kind of true in a way. Do you know what I mean? Because like you say, you I could get messages all day long and spend all my time answering questions, but it's like, you could probably find this out by paying a Stan Winston thing, yeah. reading a book or, you know, spending a few years trying to figure it out yourself, which is what a lot of people that are good at it have done. <laughs> yes. And, and again, I think that's one of those things that yeah. really separates the, the fan culture from the professionals is the, is that desire to, and that respect for the knowledge that, uh, you know, that you realize what you're asking for. And the people that, that are new to this, they're coming into this industry now of having that respect for that knowledge and knowing this is this is valuable stuff. This is an entire trade. This is a whole career, and that I'm asking other people to help explain to me. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it doesn't bypass. And I think it happens a lot with anything with technology, with cameras, with anything you can think of. Is like the technology gets better and more available, but it still comes down to what you do with yeah. it. Yes. And there always going to be people that do great things with it, and other people that just want to kind of. Yeah. press buttons and hope that they can mush together a yeah. successful outcome with minimum input and there are always going to be the people that do not so good work because mm-hmm. it's that one of my favorite quotes and I, I i can never remember who it was i know it was it was a famous photographer uh had said um the most important component of the camera is the 12 inches behind it and that's that's <laughs> that's perfectly I, I think that like is in a nutshell the perfect explanation for any tool yeah, you know, any tool of any kind. But wait, is. he didn't say what the camera was in front of. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Mind blown. I can, yeah, I can. I can. Uh, yeah, I can. I can channel. I can channel idiot. Pretty well. <laughs> so uh, one thing I wanted to talk about as well is I've had a few emails and some messages I've seen on Facebook is that people who are perhaps 
maybe started out in life later and you were saying like you did things mm. and then life gets in the way things happen you get kids and you got to raise them and you've got responsibilities and then you want to come back to it are there some practical steps that you think that would help people who are that they're creative but they're not perhaps surrounded by a creative nourishing environment but there are some things that they could cling to or they could start with to help them getting on their way well that's now we're getting deep. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. this is philosophical. <laughs> wow, we need, I, I, we need I, some more comfortable chairs and some alcohol now. Because I was thinking of, of a couple of things I think would be good would be to, for example, take a, uh, a block of clay, just water-based clay, and then sculpt maybe your own face as a self-portrait. So you have a mirror, you have like a wooden board you work on, and a block of clay, and you have, you just do your face. You set yourself for half an hour in it. And you just do the best you can in half an hour. And then at the end of that, you take photos from the side, from the front, then you scrap that clay, put it back in the bag. The next day, you do another half an hour. So you're only using one bag of clay. You same bag of clay, same mirror. Because the mirror is you, you're always going to be there when you're doing it. And just for like 30 days, just set yourself half an hour. So it's a total of 15 hours, roughly, of commitment over a course of a month. But you're sculpting every day, just for a short time. And if you really care about it, you'll be able to find that time. You're always going to be there because you're present when you're sculpting. <laughs> yes. um, if you have to rely on somebody else, they might not show up or whatever. Yeah. So. So count on that. And then that would be a way to start getting your confidence. And if you take photos every day, I'd like to say that when you look at your first day's sculpt and your last day's sculpt, I bet you the 30-day one is much better than the first day. Yes. And that's not a lot of commitment in time or material or time. So yes. that's it's, a way no, that, of starting. That's, that's breaking great. a seal. That's what it yes. is. It's breaking a seal. Yeah. Well, and, and I think sculpting is a good one for me because I still struggle with, like when you say that, that's intimidating for me to hear like, the idea of sculpting a self-portrait and just sitting down from nothing. And especially knowing I'm going to destroy it at the end, that that's frightening. <laughs> that's truly terrifying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but, yeah, yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, pushing past that, I, I will say that, you know, my experience with, uh, like, just like when Robert and I were doing the past few days with uh, sculpting tools, it's, I think, uh, a lot of this with uh, with the tools is, Half of it is just getting in there, getting your hands moving, and it's so tempting. It's 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 easy to get scared away from it by thinking, well, I really just need to amass more knowledge before I start. Yeah. And that's the beauty of sculpting is, yeah, you can jump right in there and start pushing clay around with your bare hands. And then you start having a, a better appreciation for, wow, if I had something that would get in this part right here, that would sure be handy. And, you know, out comes the butter knife or the popsicle stick or whatever. And then that's when you start saying, okay, now I get it. Now I get all these. When you do see those tutorials, like the one we just posted with the, uh, all the sculpting techniques, you go, ah, that's why that exists or that exists or whatever. But I think the first step is getting over that fear of just jumping in and pushing clay around and not caring that it doesn't look like Steve Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like Steve Wang's sculpture, so not that everybody's setting up to sculpt Steve Wang. <laughs> so sculpting's a good start because... I think so. I think you, that's, you don't have to mold it straight off. Right, you can just be happy with an oil-based lump of something that you're working on. And oil-based clay, like we were talking about, that's... I, I Water-based clay is terribly intimidating to me because it's... Uh, when I lived out in West Texas and was using, you know, doing more sculpting out there... Water-based clay was like, there's no way I'm going to have time to sculpt it before the West Texas sun sucks all the water out of it and destroys whatever it is I'm working on. So that's not even an option. But oil-based clay, the idea of being able to sculpt something for a few hours, then back off, give it a day or two, then come back to it when I've got fresh creativity, that's, you know, 
Yeah, I have the same kind of fear of, of doing anything in wet clay because at any time I could be pulled away to do something else and it's going to now sit there for a month before I get back to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I mean, I suppose, you know, you could lift it up every day and spray it down and tighten it back up. And this is the responsibility though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anything else to do. Yeah. So an all-based clay would be a good thing to start. Well, and, but to that, to, to speak to that original point about people getting into this later in life, I think community plays a huge part. And this is, you know, this is one of the silver linings on that cloud of, you know, kind of information overload is it is possible now to meet up with people like, you know, all three of us, you know, got three guys sitting in a room who are from totally different points on the globe, but it's, you know, we get together and it's like, you know, extended family that just, you know, popped in for a visit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's something, so for people listening to, uh, to it from that perspective, just think there's other nutcases just like us, out there, there's people that you can talk to that uh, are into this stuff, and it's good to find those people. They're they're out there, and it's a whole lot easier to find them out there mm. now than it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, and that that helps a lot, just to be able to bounce your work off of. And I'm not talking about a Facebook group or something, but some somebody that you can actually really talk shop with, that you can show them your work, get critique, critique their work. And so forth. I think having that kind of community, even if it's not in person, finding those people you can talk to really makes a difference. Because mm -hmm. that's where my work really took off is when I could really resonate with other artists that uh, could share real world techniques, not just something they read in the you know, back of Fangoria. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's very important. When you were so when you started, Rob, back at working you had like your regular job and you were driving and so, so how did you get back into what was your first baby step you know you said you never got rid of your makeup kit so it's kind of there but what was it whispering became um, a shout in the back of your mind yeah it was it was kind of um you know like I said, it was always you know back there gnawing away at me you know that i, I wasn't never went away <laughs> yeah I, I was never you know just content with not doing some kind of art and so yeah i finally went and Pulled out an old block of uh, Roma number three and made some tools and started just kind of pushing it around and playing with it. And it, was, it was just kind of really little at first and then um, making more tools and then working a little bit. And then, yeah, I hate this and put it away for a while. And kind of, it was, it was kind of a long, tedious climb to get back into where I was actually comfortable mm -hmm. doing it again. And I mean, it, it was frustrating because I'm like, you know, one time, at one time, I was getting to be a fairly decent artist. I was, you know, I was getting to, at least to the point where I could see things in my work that I liked. You know, I could always see room for improvement, but I was starting to like some of the stuff that I was doing. Um, so it, it's frustrating kind of starting over, but uh, the more the more I worked with it, the more I did, the more comfortable I got with it. And, and we had kind of talked the other night about that confidence that, being comfortable with what you're doing mm -hmm. is everything. Uh, that, I mean, it, it'll it'll stop really you is. from doing anything at all yeah, if you're not comfortable yeah. with it. I think uh, it's good for no people to know that like you it. feel that. I mean, yeah, because I think everyone feels it's a unique experience to them, but no one sort of says this. But actually, I think it's a very common yeah. thing. To... There's there's plenty of even even now. I mean, I'm I'm just about as comfortable with clay as I, I ever been. But I will sometimes sit down, slide the. The, the armature over in front of me and just kind of sit there and go, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea how to do this. 
<laughs> and then you do it. I know that. <laughs> yeah, and then I just start, oh, I mean, okay, well, I know that cheap bone is too low. Let me, oh, let me, and then you get into it and you yeah. kind of forget where you're at and, you know, forget that you're supposed to tell yourself you suck. <laughs> and uh, and you're doing okay now. But, yeah, no, the, the confidence thing, that is, it can be crippling. It can absolutely cripple you. Um, if you if you don't at least fake it yeah for a little bit well know. and that goes back you know to you know what I was saying about community finding other artists to hang out with find good healthy artists <laughs> yeah, <laughs> find, yeah. find people not, that are not going to just put you down for because yeah there's they, no shortage they, of people ready yeah, to do yeah, that there there are there are sadly there are a lot of artists that that feel like that is their only way to advance is by criticizing or uh, undermining your skill level and yeah. that's not that that's not good for anybody no. uh, so you know find and there's plenty of people again there's plenty of people out there find the find the good ones <laughs> find the people yeah. that that uh, you like hanging out with and uh, but yeah you know what you were saying about that gnawing at you know there were several points in my life where I got away from this stuff but you know, yeah. I think that's again what that's what drove me to do all this professionally was that that just gnawing to yeah. go back to it and not not you know I never felt fulfilled doing some of the other jobs I did that you know all this mm. brings for me. So yeah, I, I'm not all that introspective very often. You know, I, I don't kind of spend a lot of time. Sorry, I pulled you down to <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like it. <laughs> no, I love doing it, uh, but. It's more or less just kind of, I'm kind of high strung and especially now, you know, officially full-time, you know, business is in its infancy. And so, you know, the stress levels are really high, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I was, I was pretty much knocked to the floor uh, the other night when my wife told me uh, she's never seen me happier. She's like, I know this was the right decision. Because she's for for fifteen years, I've seen you walk out of this house to you know different various jobs with the same look on your face, the same kind of dread. She says even Universal, as much as you know, I loved that job. The the schedule was what I didn't like about it. It's his third shift, mm-hmm. but uh, she's like, yeah, she says that looks gone completely. It's amazing, <laughs> and I, and like, it took somebody else to notice it. Yeah, because I think you acclimatize. To your situation, so you don't yeah. notice when you're happier in a way or unhappy. Yeah, you oh, yeah. go grow yeah. used to things, and it's good to to know that change things do change. That's and, and you know, on from my perspective here, it's like Robert and I were talking. We were having almost this identical discussion the other night while we were rendering stuff here, and uh, that's something too that I, uh, you know, even when I have a, a really bad day of just oh crap, you know, UPS broke something or you know, somebody's unhappy with the set time of their alginate or whatever, you still at the end of that day or, or even halfway through it, I think, wow, I am, I, you know, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. And I'm doing exactly like if, you know, this is what, you know, I've way surpassed what 15 year old Mitch ever thought was possible. I'm getting to do it. I'm, I'm right in the thick of it. And even the most problematic day is still a day doing the thing that I like yeah. to do. So yeah. So yeah, it's. I've never had a day here where I thought, man, I really wish I was, you know, had a job in a cubicle somewhere. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's that just does not happen. So, yeah. and I mean, you, if you're working for a job that you don't like, that's something that's just just to pay the bills, you're going to have the same kind of days. Mm-hmm. Only, you know, it's 
to me, less worth it to put up with it. Yeah. If you're not doing what you love, if you're not doing something you enjoy. Yeah. Because you kind of, unless you have a, a very uh, grand vision of, of how life is, this is the one life. You should really <laughs> is, yeah. make it count. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's in your spare time. You know? Yeah. Even if you're a little late. <laughs> you know, if you're a little bit late to the party. It's uh, Yeah, but you bring a lot of wisdom with that. And then I think the thing is, when you're older, you, you really appreciate these things. Yeah. Right? You know, it, I wouldn't change anything because I think, one, I appreciate it far more. Uh, the what every little advancement that I make, I appreciate far more than I would have at 20 uh, had, had the same things been happening. Um, but also it's just, um, I kind of petered off there. I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, as far as like coming, coming late, you know, it's, uh, I'm coming with skills that I would not have otherwise gotten. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up also loving, you know, hot rods and motorcycles as much as I did monsters. So I got to do that. I you know, for 15 years I got to learn how to, you know, starting off at a Mako and then working my way up to a, a real body shop and learning how to do it properly. And then doing my own thing on the side, doing custom painting and airbrush. And, you know, I got to enjoy that. I got to do that. Uh, and, and some of those, a lot of those skills are transferable. Yeah. So I come in with, I think a unique, skill set that yeah. isn't really very common so it's i wouldn't i wouldn't change a thing of how it happened I mean, i'm happy that i have my kids i'm happy that you know i'm married to the woman that i am it's uh it's been great uh, it's just getting better now amazing <clears throat> i made that decision to make it better yeah you know for the you know for the for the younger i know for younger people that are Consider, you know, listening in, listening to this, and and you know, still on that that early part of their career trajectory. You know, if there's when you said that about no regrets, you know, most of the most of the things, most of my journey, I'm pretty happy with, and I keep it exactly as it is. But there was there's only been one job that jumps right out at me that I think that had no that had almost no benefit whatsoever. Uh, and that was where I loaded and unloaded trucks at UPS. And while a good plan paying job at the time, that was like a period of my life that was almost just kind of lost to that. Yeah. And, you know, if you can avoid that by having jobs that even if it is a, a job that you don't necessarily love and you're not passionate about it, but if you are able to learn something in that job, there's been several times I've had jobs that were, you know, Definitely not the best pay out there, but I knew, okay, this job is teaching me this. You know, I'm getting this skill that I can't get somewhere else, or maybe I can get it somewhere else, but this is my way of getting this skill. And, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. And if you find yourself in a situation where you think, I'm getting absolutely nothing out of this, change that situation, you know. But, yeah. But, yeah what is I, it you can do to change it? Yeah, change yeah, because I, I, I think <laughs> back on that. I think of UPS, I try to think, you know, what did, was it? Anything I got out of that, I mean, other than some good leg strength from picking up boxes and, yeah. and putting them higher places, yeah. I really can't think of anything. Uh, well, I was the same when, <laughs> when, I, was, when I was at college. I had a summer job cleaning university, and it was like that was a workout. It was a four hour workout, so I got paid to work out. So I would mop that floor like it meant something. <laughs> so yeah, yeah was, you know, I burn off some calories doing that. So see, you you <laughs> you found a yeah, you found something in that that's yeah. You, 
UPS was an oppressive place. I'm not, oh, yeah, you can believe that. Uh, insert, <laughs> insert shipping, insert national, uh, international shipping company here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, but yeah, find something, find jobs that have a, we've had a few guys come through here that weren't necessarily into molding and casting kind of stuff. And, and I've tried to impress that on those guys like Brad here that, uh, you know, find something that, uh, Find, you know, learn everything you can from that job and apply that. I uh, there's been plenty of other jobs I have had other than moving brown boxes that you know I've borrowed stuff like what you're saying, you know, from the painting, for, you know, because that's a really valuable skill. People don't, people way underestimate how important painting is in the effects world until you go to paint an exotic surface and you go, wow, this is suddenly painting is really important because yeah. I just realized I'm painting a it's flexible the thing rubber. You see first. Yeah. yeah, it's and the it, surface. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very visible. Everybody's going to see the paint job. And it just occurred to me that I'm painting some bizarre elastomer that I've never seen anyone paint before. How do I get paint to stick to it? So, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that you, you can learn a lot of those tricks other places than the effects world and then yeah. bring them in. Yeah. Because you're aware that it has to stick. You're aware that it's a problem. Yes. You know, it's not a given that it's going to stick. So the first yeah. thing to do is do some tests to see if it does stick. And if so how, where do we get this? Have we got enough? And well, and, and, you know, that to bring it full circle to some of the kind of thought process and the creativity of, of all of this, you know, when you, when you find yourself in that kind of position, I think that's a great chance rather than go online and say, hey, do you know how to do this or whatever, is see if there's a solution nobody's even thought of yet. You know, that's how some of this stuff yeah. is even invented. Is is yeah, know. a lot of it's borrowed from techniques or materials borrowed from other industries. Mm. Like, well, I know this guy who does this stuff with this, and maybe this will work for for our field. Yeah, that's a lot of crossover that comes from that. Amazing. Well, thank you very much, Robert. Thank you. Really, really appreciate your time. Wonderful sir. meeting you and you. And yes, thanks, Mitch. As always, yeah. sir. Uh, it's been fun talking to the. The woodland creature on the tripod. <laughs> so the, I'll have the to take a photo of it so everyone knows what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, because because from my perspective, I really need to actually, I'm going to take a picture right now. So um, I mentioned earlier about a set of sculpting tools. I have a complete set of the Steve Wang sculpting tools. There's four tools in the set. I've included a photograph. Yeah, you you of need them. my address again so you can send those to me? <laughs> well, Todd, it's like this. Um, uh, so the, the, I, I bought a set for myself. They're very good fun. Uh, and I've got a complete set, brand new, in the pack, still ready to go, that we're going to give away to the 22nd emailed response to this question, which is uh, the, the sculpting set is a Steve Wang set. So, And this is podcast number 22. So this is why it's the 22nd email that we have. Uh, email or, or to? Oh, maybe the Facebook page. To the Facebook page. Let's do the Facebook page. Let's do the Facebook page. Battles with Bits of Rubber. That's it. Yeah, if you look up uh, Battles with Bits of Rubber on Facebook, you'll find our Facebook page. If you could like that, maybe share it. That'd be good. But yeah, the 22nd email. I'll put a picture of the sculpting tools on there, and there'll be, you know, a bunch of text on it explaining what to do on that. But the 22nd uh, message on there, no one's going to want to be the first, but you know what? If you get the first and then the second, and then maybe someone will delete that comment, it could it could get messy, but, you know. We'll try. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you, could wind up, you could wind up being there. We could see how that goes. But basically, I have a question for you. 
1987, there's a movie called The Monster Squad, and Steve Wang, kind of the head of the creatures, all of that stuff, and he made a really cool Gilman suit, which was amazing on that, and it was based on what 1954 classic horror movie creature? Come on, you guys can get this. I'm sure it's not going to be that difficult, but I just need to know what that movie was called. And uh, if you know, um, when we uh, put this up on Facebook, there will be a picture with the competition information on it. And it's a picture of the tools. The 22nd response, number 22, I'll count them down. The 22nd respondent will email you, message you. You send us our, your, your, uh, a postal address you want this sent to anywhere in the world. I will stick it in an envelope and I will ship these to you at my own cost. So I've been sculpting all day. Let me show you this... Um, yeah, the piece that I saw you posted on Instagram says looking really cool. Yeah, let me just post it. There it is. That's the one. What is this? Uh, what is this for? Just a personal project, or are you? Well, it's for. We did a, a character makeup course at um, Pinewood last week, which was really, really good fun. Actually, it was a really. Do you know what? I had a group that, honestly, I mean, it's 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 normally great fun sculpting anyway. But this particular group, there was just something about the mix of people. That it was like it just everything was just gelled, and it was a really really good time. And we had oh, I love we when had, that happens. We had three people who were from Australia, which was just co- complete coincidence. One who specifically came over to do the course as well, Sophie, Sophie Gunn. If you're listening, she's amazing. She really well, but she flew over from Australia, Hi, and uh, she's here for that that course and the prosthetics event. And I think she's going back just after that, but um. Yeah, it was just a really, really Are good, you good time. Are going to be able to go? I can't go to the prosthetics event this year. I've got too much on. All kinds of shit all happening at the same time. And so weekends are precious. So unfortunately, even though it's one day, it's it's not a day I can spare, unfortunately. So I hear you. It would be good because I, it's such a I good understand. event. If you can get to Birmingham. But I did, I did, uh, did have a, a brief chat with Lisa this morning. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, the the next issue of... Prosthetics magazine is here. She says it looks great, and I told her that you and I would chat a little bit about what we're going to do for the next issue. Absolutely, we did our two-part um, latex appliances. That one was the application, which has just come out, and obviously, you know, we wrote it, but I still haven't seen that magazine because I think it's only just come out. I was really excited about the '80s edition. Did you see that one? That was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was just like a, an episode of Fangoria. It was Very fantastic. Cool. Um, we're talking about Prosthetics Magazine, by the way. If you haven't read or you haven't got Prosthetics Magazine, um, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, even though we write for it, it may sound biased, but it, even if I had nothing to do with it, I would still read it. It's uh, such a good magazine. It's really, really well done. Uh, Neil Gorton has gone above and beyond in putting this magazine together and the, the people he's got contributing to it, including us. <laughs> He's got some good people and us doing some yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I don't know where I'm going with this. He's got some good people and he's got us. <laughs> it's nice of him to to let us tag along, but uh, no, it's it's really it's just full of tutorials and information about making prosthetics. It's only prosthetics. There's nothing nothing else. It's it's gorgeous. So check it out, Prosthetics Magazine. So yeah, have a look at that. But it was it was good fun, and it's online as well. So if you can't get the print magazine, you can still view it online and, and subscribe to it that way. But it's 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 well worth doing. Um. I was thinking on the next podcast, by the way, do you remember in January when we were at IMATS and we did our uh, five things you need to know about learning prosthetic makeup? Um, we, yeah. We, we need to polish that up a little bit. And uh, I think that could be the content of our next podcast. Okay. 
because Sounds that was good. that 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 was a really really fun talk, and uh, it, it's something that we've kind of I, 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 you know we've sat on since then. That was nearly a year ago, um, and we can kind of uh, you know update it and and put that out. So I think that'll be the next edition of the next one, and then the one after that, I'm hoping to come back to this education thing because hopefully by then we'll have sifted through the responses. Which again, I encourage you to get in touch if you've been a tutor or a student at a college you had a good experience or a bad experience um it would be good to to email us at stuart and todd yeah, how at gmail.com. can we how can we solve this dilemma or at least just i don't know uh have a have a much clearer idea about what it is we're trying to achieve with it because i think a lot of the time people go to a college because they just want a, a qualification and then when they've got that qualification they may be qualified but useless <laughs> because it seems that the, I have a piece of paper. It says the, I'm the, good. The, the the qualification aspect is <sighs> colleges want you to pass because they they for every student that doesn't succeed they don't get that money the next year. So it's like okay, that's understandably a, a motivation to make people make tutors maybe work hard, but at the same time it also means there's an awful lot of people who are qualifying who are clogging up the entries of effect companies that have. They're never going to get anywhere because the stuff is just isn't good enough, and no one's ever told them. And if you ever watch anything like The X Factor, yeah. you know Simon Cowell's just telling I'm someone for the it. first time, "Oh, look, you know what? You just can't sing." But my mum said I can. It's like, yeah, but your mum's not the one who's going to pay you to, you know, do concerts. I am, and I'm telling you, you're not. Yeah. You're Eventually, not do it. it will come around to to bite them in in the ass because if you keep graduating unqualified people. People will eventually stop going to that school because they know the quality of the education isn't working. Though that may not actually be the case. It's that the quality of the students is inadequate. Mm. The education itself, if you were qualified, would be would be great. But that's the college's but responsibility the to that, triage. But if the people are, are sub substandard, then people will stop hiring graduates of that school because they're substandard and eventually there will just be a a wind blowing down the street and a old newspaper and the sound of cricket (laughs) you may be right i think the other worry i have is that you have um perhaps heads of department or heads of colleges who are only going to be there for a few years and then you know they'll like politicians they'll come in they'll make radical changes and then they just fuck off and then they're not there to deal with the shit, the fallout from whatever they did. So it's worth also, I yeah. think, when you start a college, looking at who's running the course and how long have they been there and do they have a turnover of fucking course heads? Because if that's happening, it's it's like they're burning through people, which is a good indication that they're, you know, there's a system in place which is just not Are really they strictly working. academics or do they actually have industry work experience? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? And there's lots of ways you can learn online and books and stuff that um, I've been on courses where I've taught for a couple of days and the students have told me they've learned more in those two days than they have in the previous year and I'm like you paid for a year at college and you're telling me you didn't learn that much and it's, it's like that happens a lot and I'm not saying oh I'm amazing I'm saying I think they're getting a shit deal um, and it happens with a, with, with, with a frightening regularity so uh, this is why I want to hear from students <laughs> So, like I say, um, everything will be in confidence. I'm not going to name names. But I just want to get a picture from from the people that are there, whether their experience was good and bad. And if it wasn't good, why wasn't it good? You know, um, and what can we do to address this? How can we? Yeah, not just not just 
students in the UK, but students no anywhere, literally in the anywhere, US, mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, I mean, we. The, if you hear this podcast, let us know. A lot of the time, I think material access is, you know, one of the factors in whether or not people can do lots of different things. I did a sure. a, a class recently for Kralin in Serbia. Yeah, I did uh, a couple of days uh, teaching for Kralin in Serbia. That was amazing because everyone was so engaged and so into it and everything. But one of the big problems they have is a lot of the materials are not easy to find. And you take it for granted when you live in the States or the UK that, you know, you can just get snappy G or Talesis. Did or did you have to have a translator? A lot of them did speak very good English, but I did have a translator, um, obviously, to make it, you know, very, very clear what I was saying, because some of it's quite sort of technical and specific. Um, And they were, you know, really dug it and everyone was lovely and worked hard. And it was kind of like you just realize how easy it is for us to go, oh, I just need some telesis or I need this or I need that or I need a skin illustrator palette and you can just go get it because it's there. And there's a whole world of places where that is not, that access is not there and people are looking for alternatives. No, that's, well, we, we get to, I get to experience that um, with, with my class in China. Um, Some of the materials we had ordered months in advance of, of the course arrived a week after I left. You know, and it's like, how how can you function like that? But that's yeah. how the half the world works. So knowing this is, is you know, if you're a material supplier, is, is good information because the customers are there. But sometimes they just have a very, very funny, you know, um, delivery system or the customs and excise people are particularly militant or whatever. But but it's a good news, bad news thing. You know, the the bad news is we don't have the materials that we would like to have to do this project. But the good news is if you can get good results with other stuff that we're making do with, when you get the good stuff, watch out. Yeah. So, you know, it's you know, the tools are a, are part of it, but it's it's they're still just tools. It's it's really more, more about the operator. Yeah, you can do a bad job with good who's tools. Doing, who's doing the creation of this and how how clever are you and can you – right? This is the way we would normally do, but we can't, so how do we, how do we fix it? How do we make it work with something else and get the same results? Mm-hmm. Or similar results. Now, if you can do that, you can do anything. All right. I guess we just need to sign off. You've got a book to write, and I've got to get I to have bed. A book to write, <laughs> and and you people have email to send us. Yes, please. Stuart and Todd at gmail dot com. And that is a, the word and, have, not an ampersand. Correct. It's the the letters A N D. Stuart and Todd at gmail dot com. And and look for us on on Facebook too. Battles with bits of rubber, or either one of us individually, and on Instagram, Twitter, and we're all over the internet. We are indeed. And there's there's, there's a few different things you can do to help us. They're all free. One is tell someone that you know who likes prosthetic makeup about this podcast because there's quite a few po- episodes now. There's 22 now, uh, and there's some stuff on there that's useful. And also, um, if you could give us a rating on iTunes, if, you got, if you're listening to this on iTunes, and I appreciate not everyone's an Apple fan. I myself am not. I'm a Samsung user. But if you do use iTunes uh, or, or Apple 
podcasts or whatever it's called uh, if you could leave us a review on that that'd be amazing if you enjoy this let us know that'd be good because when uh apple get reviews and people rate and and discuss it it just tells them that there's an engaged audience and that would help us with our ratings which is wonderful and doesn't cost anything other than a, a minute of your time so that's it so you go write your book i'm gonna go and sink the rest of this red wine and then i'm gonna go to bed i watched some uh walking dead tonight i'm only on season seven so i've just oh, met negan met negan and and he's done some things with a baseball bat which he calls lucille and i knew who bought it i'm not gonna spoil it even on here um because you know facebook fucking put pictures of you know the eyeball popping out which was fucking amazing, by the way. That makeup was gorgeous. Yeah. But even though, Kevin you know, Wozner. it was beautiful. And it's like, even though you know it's fake and like I do this stuff for a living, you get caught up in it. And it was just, you're invested in these characters. And it's just, it was, you know, I know people at the moment are kind of like slating it and saying that things aren't right and stuff's happening that they're not happy with as a series. But I was just like, fucking hell, this is brutal and it is brutal amazing it was you know good tv so good job greg nicotero for directing that you get to this season oh i can't even imagine but yeah i'm just really impressed and and it seems like you know um greg nicotero so well known for you know doing makeup effectsy stuff but he's a fucking good director i mean you know not not the gore stuff even just the good acting you know fucking pivotal scenes um that's really impressive. That's a, I'm very impressed with that. It's very cool. Oh, yeah. started watching Stranger Things 2. So I was in the first yeah. episode of that. Have you seen that? I've, I saw the first season. I haven't seen any of the, the current season. Well, the second season is but out. I really um, got I, I, I dug it. There was that. And uh, uh, Rick and Morty, which is fucking brilliant. I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty, but you should. If you haven't seen That's Rick and Morty. Appearance. Have you seen that? Oh, no, I haven't. I have not seen Rick and Morty. I'm, I'm a loser. I think you would enjoy it a lot. It's 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 pretty good. Dude, it's been amazing to talk to you again. It's been too long, man. And I'll speak to you on Thursday. We'll have another chat and I we'll get we'll get we'll get stuck it. into another edition of the podcast. Yeah, I, I will I will be ready for a for a break from, from writing. Okay, man. Talk to you soon. Keep at it, man. Keep the strength. Uh thanks. Cheers, man. Later. Bye.